I'm Lake Miller. And I'm Hannah Brown. Welcome to Gem City Diversity, a podcast where we talk about diversity and inclusion in the Dayton area. We're from the National Conference for Community and Justice of Greater Dayton, or NCCJ. NCCJ works in the Miami Valley to increase understanding around the topics of diversity and inclusion. In this episode, Lake talked with Ronita Haas Saunders, one of NCCJ's Humanitarian Award honorees. Ronita is the Chief Executive Officer of the Dayton Contemporary Dance Company. They discussed what it means to be a humanitarian, telling a story through an art form, and the importance of Black African spaces. Enjoy. Yes, my name is Ronita Hawes Saunders, and I'm the Chief Executive Officer of the world-renowned Dayton Contemporary Dance Company. Awesome. Um, well, thank you so much for being with us today and taking this opportunity to, to have this conversation with us. And congratulations on receiving the Humanitarian Award. Um, as I've kind of researched you and researched DCDC, it is um, so clear to me that you are a worthy recipient of, of this, this honor. So very happy to have you here today. Well, thank you very much, uh, Lake. I am um, I'm humbled and I, I am honored to be one of the recipients of the Humanitarian Award. Um, I always say that the work that we do, um, that we have the honor and the pleasure of doing um, truly is mission work. We are working in the community, for the community, for the betterment of the community, and we have the pleasure um, and the blessing to really being able to do something that we love doing. And um, I love arts and culture, always have for my entire um, career. So we'll talk about DCDC in a second, but I'll ask what maybe is a loaded question of tell me about yourself um, and kind of how did you get to to this space, to this role here in Dayton? Um, Well, I'm a native Daytonian. Um, I I grew up in West Dayton and uh, my parents were in the real estate business. So I always say that we were um, always working because real estate agents always work. So I um, I have this, this work ethic that um, my mother and father, I think, really instilled in me in a way to be able to understand that it is important to be able to do what you do, do it well, and to, to learn from the things that, that you are doing. Um, and so I went to a graduate of Roth High School, um, and then I, which no longer exists <laughs> in West Dayton, um, but then I went to college at Denison University in Granville, Ohio, graduate school at, at Ohio State, and I studied broadcasting. Um, I was uh, originally a theater major in, in college, um, being very interested in the arts and working a lot in the arts um, in, um, here in, in Dayton. Um, but then I sort of switched um, my, my major and my interests uh, the latter part of my college career and wanted to go into broadcast journalism. Um, I came home, I worked at Channel 2 for a number of years, uh, and then had the blessing to be one of the first producers that Channel 16 and 14, the public television station, hired at that particular time, and really fell in love with uh, producing programs and being involved in the broadcast uh, area in a different kind of way. Simultaneously, during that time, I was asked to co-host a radio program on WBAO Radio, And so I found that I loved radio. Um, I loved the idea of being able to um, create images through through voice, 
Um, and so um, after a period of time, I filed for a FCC permit to build a new radio station here in Dayton, Ohio. Um, after a 10-year journey, um, my, my dream came true, um, and I was blessed to be able to create WROU um, 92.1 FM here in the Miami Valley area. Later, I purchased another, another station. Um, the goal of the station was to be able to be a community service organization, although we were a for-profit business, uh, to be able to create opportunities and activities for our community and to be a voice of the African-American community at that particular time. And um, I did that for 11 years, um, sold my company. And um, after uh, a little while, the board of directors of the Dayton Contemporary Dance Company came to me and said, we are looking for someone committed to community who has a good, strong, solid business background who can help our organization. That's how I got to the Dayton Contemporary Dance Company now 16 years ago late. Wow, that's amazing. And, and to you know, kind of hear this history, I'm curious, um, you know, I know you mentioned that you had sold this company, um, it sounds like about 16 years ago. Are these radio stations still in existence here in Dayton? Um, yes, um, WROU is still here, still has the, um, the call letters. Uh, WRMD was purchased by a, another company, but the stations are still here. And I am, I am pleased to be able to, uh, to say that at least the beginnings of what it is um, that we had, and I had a great team of individuals, what we created to be a voice in the Miami Valley is still being carried forth different ways, different owners, but different opportunities as well. That's amazing. So you started talking about DCDC, um, and certainly, you know, growing up in the Miami Valley, I always heard people talking about DCDC or saying Dayton Contemporary Dance Company. Um, so are you able to tell us a little bit about what DCDC is and um, a little bit of the history of DCDC? Yes, uh, the Dayton Contemporary Dance Company was started in 1968. Um, by a woman who also was a native Daytonian. Her name was Geraldine Blunden. Um, Geraldine had a, a real love of, of dance and she was very, very talented. Um, she decided at a particular time during the 60s when our world was in turmoil, uh, dealing with a lot of civil rights um, initiatives, she decided to use her talent and her skill sets and uh, first created um, a dance school, Geraldine School of the Dance, and then decided that um, she wanted to create a, uh, a dance company, a nonprofit dance company, as an outgrowth of the needs of uh, having the opportunity for young African-American girls at that particular time to be able to learn how to use not only dance as a way to express themselves, but also to learn how to use their dance voices in terms of being able to communicate with audiences. That was the very beginning of, um, of, of DCDC and the community responded um, really positively. Geraldine would say, you know, she was doing uh, church teas and she was doing things in the community and the more they danced, the more people were asking them to dance. Uh, that was 53 years ago. Uh, the company now is uh, the Chief Artistic and Producing Director is her daughter, uh, Debbie Blunden Diggs. Debbie grew up in the company. She has been with the company now for, uh, for over 40 years. And uh, that artistic voice that her mother started back in 1968 
is now being expressed uh, in new and different ways. But what's pretty ironic is a lot of the messaging is the same because here in 2021, we're still dealing with some of the issues, many of the issues that Geraldine Bundon was dealing with back in 1968 when she was using her skills, her voice and her talents to be able to communicate messages. So I have, I have two questions. Uh, my first, as you were talking about kind of your personal background, maybe I missed it, but I didn't hear you mention anything about dance personally. I'm curious, are you a dancer yourself? <laughs> no, uh, I always say that I don't dance. I administrate <laughs> truly. Um, if I was dancing, we would not have a dance company. Um, my love and passion of arts and culture really came from the theater. I was very involved in black theater, uh, black film, and that's actually what I went to college for. So it wasn't the direct connection with uh, the dance stage, but a real connection with a passion for arts, culture, and what that community connection should be when you are uh, a true artist and an artist of color. So how is DCDC able to use their platform um, and the, the, the platform of dance to illustrate this messaging to, um, to really advocate for these issues? I think when you look at the dance works that we do, what you're looking at on stage is first the vision uh, and the voice of the choreographer. Um, you, you are looking at individuals who have created passionate art works of um, brilliance in, in many instances that really is talking about the human experience. If you look at the bodies and the body language, if you look at the faces of our, our performers, and if you listen to the music, if you really connect, what you're experiencing is a story, a story told, and maybe in some instances, a story that was untold that needed to be expressed. And so what dance art gives to the world is a chance for you to be able to take your own background, your own experience, and watch the performance on stage and to have the messages communicated however you receive them. What is your truth? What is your journey? But equally as important, what is our truth and what is our journey? And so what we really try to do through our dance art we really try to communicate the message of what it is happening in our world today, as well as those messages of what occurred in the past. Something that we've heard in a lot of our educational sessions that we do, and, and has a, been a theme through a lot of our podcasts, has been, you know, pe people keep saying, you know, we, we were fighting these same battles 60 years ago. We were having these conversations and these issues continue today. And, you know, in, in the last year and a half, um, we have all become yet again, very familiar um, with systematic oppression that's happening in our world. And, and I hear you talking about, you know, 53 years now, you said, right, that, um, the company's been around and, and was talking about these issues. Um, and as I had been familiar with DCDC and knew, you know, had seen performances, um, I didn't know that that deep rooted history um, in being a African-American rooted organization and giving 
young people of color the experience to engage in dance um, and to be able to have these opportunities. And so I guess what I'd like to know is like, what is from your perspective and maybe from the community, the community's perspective, why is it so important to have these organizations that are purposely diverse, that are purposely giving individuals these diverse experiences? That's an excellent question. Um, most recently, um, the Dayton Contemporary Dance Company has received the Dayton Business Journal uh, Diversity Award. Uh, we're receiving this recognition because we believe that um, our multicultural world is made up of individuals who have not only different experiences, of course, but also whenever you have an African American organization that was born out of uh, systemic racism, there is a message to be communicated across the board. And so it is important to have an organization like ours and other organizations that really deal with the problems of social justice, the problems of discrimination, the problems that we have had as a nation and as a world. These organizations are all designed to be able to offer a solution in the best way they possibly can based upon their background, their skill sets, and the knowledge and information. An African-American modern contemporary dance company has a responsibility in addition to an opportunity to be able to bring attention, to bring voice, and to have solutions that are presented from the stage on how we deal with solving the problems of our world. Why is it important? It is important because when you think about who we are and what we are, you also know that it's so important for individuals to know their history, to know their culture. And there is no better way to learn your history than to be able to experience it through an art form. That's what arts and culture does. That's what it's done for thousands of years. If you're a history buff, you know you can read about it, you can see it, but there's nothing like experiencing it. Whether you are in an art museum or whether you're watching theater or whether you are experiencing from the music to the dance on stage. That's great, thank you. Hello everybody. We are here at the lovely Levitt Pavilion and wanna remind you that we have our friendship dinner coming up on September 28th from five to 7 p.m where we will be honoring local humanitarians. So grab your chairs and join us for food trucks, live entertainment, and a night that you won't forget. Um, and so I wanna shift back a little bit more towards you again. Um, and so as we look at you as an individual engaging in this work, um, first of all, I can, I'm like, your passion for this is infectious and I love it. Um, but what keeps you going and what keeps you inspired and energetic about this work? I'm inspired because as I mentioned early on, um, my parents were in the real estate business um, in the 50s and in the 60s. And so as a, a youngster, um, I was introduced to the civil rights movement um, in a way that maybe a lot of young people my age at that particular time may not have had that, those same kind of experiences. Um, my parents uh, really dealing with a lot of racism 
in, um, in Dayton, Ohio, in terms of home ownership for African-Americans. And so they, they were civil rights activists. Um, so as a five-year-old, I was marching on the picket lines and singing, We Shall Overcome. I'm not saying that I understood all of that at that time, but I was introduced very early on to the cause of um, our people, the cause of Black people. Um, and, and I think what's happened throughout my, my professional career is that particular commitment has never died in terms of who I am and what we stood for as a family. As I've gone through my professional career and experienced what I call the blessings of learning about what you're capable of accomplishing, the blessings of knowing what your responsibilities are and taking my background, my education and my passion and really trying to sit at the table and say, what are we going to do to solve this problem? How are we collectively going to be able to bring voice to that which is unfair, whether it's a person who is Hispanic or whether it's a person who happens not to have the same kind of background that I have, what are we going to do to have equity in terms of problem solving and opportunities in terms of young people? So my passion for what it is that I do is, is born out of, I think, um, responsibility, knowledge, information, and also truly believing that we can do a better job of being able to help each other, to being able to problem solve, and to be able to bring solutions to the table that make sense. After all, when you think about who the United States of America really is as a nation, um, as a world power, you also know that we have more resources. We're the best educated. People come from all over the world to be educated in our country, why then are we not solving the problems that we have within our own midst to make this world a better place? It sounds a little Pollyannish, but it's very much how I am. Well, and, and, and what I love as I'm hearing you speak is one, one thing that we notice oftentimes is that when the conversations get tough, when they become difficult to work through, maybe a little bit uncomfortable for some, that's when they kind of turn off. That's when someone turns the other way oftentimes. And we maybe try to change the conversation, change the topic. Um, but those conversations are really the ones that we need to lean in the most. Um, and what I love hearing as you're, you're telling your story and talking about your own experiences and your own passion is that very purposeful, that very intentional seeking out of individuals' experiences, welcoming them to the table um, and bringing them in with that genuine curiosity, that genuine desire to hear their human experience and that want and need to, to do something about it, right? Despite the difficulties, despite the challenges that may arise um, in trying to, to raise up those voices. You're absolutely correct. And um, I, I truly, I was raised with a no excuses policy. And that means um, if you can't, can't do it now, can't get it done, figure out a way and let me know when you can get it done. There is a solution. It may not be the one that we all think is the right one right now, but we can't give up. There is a solution. And each of us individually has that responsibility to make sure you're playing that role that you can play to be a part of that solution. We have to have the confidence. We also 
have to have what I call the reality of the circumstance to be honest and authentic about what the problem is so we can get to that solution. That's great. I love that. That's going to be a little tidbit that I use in future trainings. If there's, a, there's no excuses, we need to have that mentality. Um, I think that's so vital. I have two um, quick last questions for you. Um, my first is, what does it mean to you to be a humanitarian? Maybe not such a quick question. <laughs> well, I, 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 I appreciate your, your asking me that because uh, another true passion of, of mine is, is education. Um, I spend uh, a lot of my, um, my other time, um, volunteering time, on um, educational issues, on boards, um, committees that really deal with um, the concept of education. And I'm speaking of education, not only from the opportunities for young people, but I mean knowledge and information and, and reading and learning and being. I think a true humanitarian has those experiences and then shares them with the rest of the world in a significant way. I think it's important to not only approach life knowing about one aspect or another aspect, but really taking the time to look at all aspects of that which is occurring and then to be able to share in a way that you are giving something to the individuals that you've had an opportunity to be in the company, uh, in the accompaniment of. So when I look at broadcasting, when I look at what we do at the Dayton Contemporary Dance Company, when I look at, when I look at what I do in terms of my responsibilities and my opportunities to work with other people, what I'm really trying to do is to take what I've learned, take the blessings that I've had and the experiences that I have been able to have, and then to share that in a way that I would hope might be meaningful and may help someone else so they can go ahead and self-actualize in a way that is important in their life, with their community, with their family, et cetera. That's what I think a true humanitarian does as well. Thank you. And I have, I have one final question. Um, and this is, what advice would you have for individuals who are just starting their journey towards social justice, towards social change and advocating for others? The advice that I have for um, someone who is just beginning is to be yourself as often as you can. Be knowledgeable about who you are. Gain as much self information, self-reflection as you possibly can, and then move forward doing those things that I just mentioned about becoming knowledgeable. Because when you understand yourself, when you understand what motivates you, when you understand what your gifts are, and God has given all of us certain gifts, we all don't have the same gifts. And then be confident that you have the skill set to do that which you have set out to do, not like someone else, but like you. 
this is a lesson that my mother taught me, and it is one of the most valuable lessons that, that I, and I often share this with young people. She would say to me, there will always be people who can do something better that you can't do. There will always be people who can't do it as well as what you're doing. Don't compare yourself in terms of how they look, in terms of what they're doing. You do the best you, and then keep learning. Keep learning. Because then and only then can you keep and continue contributing. And I think that that is such a powerful lesson for any young person, but also in the areas of social justice and making sure you are doing the work that needs to be done in diversity and inclusion to make sure that you're being authentic, but knowing yourself and what you have to offer, I think is so very important in that journey. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a lesson that all of us probably can benefit from hearing. Um, so I appreciate you sharing that. It has been a great time chatting with you today. Um, before we go ahead and, and finish for this episode, I just want to check, is there anything else that you would like to share today? I would like to, to say thank you to NCCJ for um, your kindness and your recognition. Um, I, I want to say thank you on behalf of the board of directors, our marvelous dancers, and the staff of the Dayton Contemporary Dance Company for your support of the past and journey that we are on um, together. I wanna thank you all for the work that you do. It is so very important in our community. And I wanna say thank you to Dayton, Ohio for all the love and support that you have given to me personally, as well as the organizations and institutions that I've been involved with over the years. It is very meaningful to me personally, and I am grateful. Thank you. Well, thank you. And we look forward to seeing you September 27th or September 28th, rather, uh, for the, the Friendship Fundraiser. 